Welcome, welcome, all of my Spilled Milk podcast loves. You know it's me. It's Kendra from Balanced Breastfeeding Solutions. I am here to bring you guys all of the information you need to know about prenatal, postpartum, and lactation support when it comes to the Chicagoland area. Yeah, the Chicagoland area. Everyone can listen, but I need y'all to know where to find us, okay? That means birthing families of color. I need y'all to know where to find the resources that are already here. All right, now, you know I love to keep y'all in suspense. So today, ta-ta-ta. Okay, today... We have a person with me. Actually, actually, people, he gets a bigger drum roll. You want to know why? Because he is the first male to be on the Spilled Milk podcast. And this is season two. So you know we got to do it big. Woo! We're going to give you some Arsenio Hall. <laughs> All right. So with us today, we have Shamari Brown. Let me tell you how I know Shamari Brown, because you know, everybody that's on here, I'm somehow I have gotten wind of them. Okay. So me um, and Shamari Brown and his beautiful family, um, we all frequent a church called New Life Covenant Southeast. Now we have served indirectly together in passing, but we have not had the pleasure of actually sitting down and having a conversation until this very moment. All right. So you guys get to hear all of this wonderful information of his perspective on being a birthing father in the African African American community, him and his wife. Okay. So we're going to walk through that, what that feels like with having a support there, how his life changed. We often focus on us, right? The birthing parent, but how did his life change? How did, how did he have to grow with the pregnancy and post, but like, that's what are we going to talk about today? All right. So let me give you some background. First of all, Shamari is a life coach. Okay. Um, and if you need to find him, he has tons of Instagram handles that I want you to like, share on each and every one. Follow him on each and every one. Because when I tell you this man is multifaceted, he is. Okay. Um, the first one I want you to be aware of is on his Instagram. Um, it is Servant Brown. Now, Servant Brown just means he is a servant of the Most High God. And wherever he needs to serve, that's where he'll be because that's the life we're supposed to live. So at Servant Brown on Instagram, the second one I want you to be aware of is at Black Man Theology because we are ministers of the gospel and Shamari is one as well. So that's the second Instagram handle at Black Man Theology. The most important one that I need you guys to go on to is Shamari Brown.com. Shamari Brown.com. You will find all of his happenings. Yeah, I said happenings because it's a whole lot happening and wonderful things happening. Okay. Um, he is an author and we're going to get into that. It's called God is, God is a girl dad. You can find that on Amazon and any other, uh, book outlet that you can find online. But of course, Amazon is that main one. Um, welcome. Give me some claps. Yay. Come on. You know, it. clap it up, clap it up. Welcome Shamari. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate all the wonderful things you said about me. And um, Kendra, I have had the most utmost respect for you since I met you. It was just almost this innate thing. Like when we saw each other passing each other in church, we like, I respect you. I can tell that you're serious about what you do. I can tell that you're authentic and you are genuine. And I think genuine people recognize each other. 
And um, I have always felt that you were a genuine and authentic person. So thank you so well, much no for having problems. me. No problems. It got be all the glory uh, for the things that he has done, right? Uh, they, they know me listen because this girl is a church girl. All right. <laughs> uh, so I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Tell me, um, did, first of all, did I miss anything in I the bio? It. No, you did not. That was wonderful. Um, and I really do appreciate that. Tell me about your beautiful family. Um, so my wife and I are college sweethearts. We met about, I would say, 15 years ago. Um, on campus. And I'm originally from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and she's from the south side of Chicago. And when we met each other, we became like close friends, like Bonnie and Clyde. We were together every day, all the time, going to lunch. We would hang out and everyone would call us like the mom and pops of campus. Uh, Had no idea that they were prophesying about our future. But nonetheless, we were just really cool and we denied that we had any real feelings for each other. And we, um, five years, yeah. Wait, pause, pause. So you literally just told me you stalked her. That's what you just said. <laughs> I Cole. did. Like, I actually had feelings, but I, I probably just didn't know how to address them at first. And um, we were friends for five years. We took each other to each other family house. And that's how we cultivated our relationship. And by the time she graduated, I was still in college and she was like asking me, was I serious? And I was just kind of like, I don't know. But then when I finally graduated, we started dating and we dated for a year. Um, And then after that year, I proposed and then we got married at the age of 26. And so we're going on our nine year anniversary. Um, Yes, (laughs) come through here. Yes. So we've been together for nine years, friends for about five. So like I said, that's about 14, 15 years. And we now recently just got a new addition in our family, my daughter, Olivia. And she came in 2021. I, I call 2021 the year of pregnancy because literally we found out in January that she was pregnant and we walked all the way to September till she had her. And then we did the rest of the de- the rest of the year being brand new parents for the last three months of the, you know, of the year. So before we had Olivia, we got a dog because my wife was like, you know, if we're not pregnant by the age of, you know, our next birthday, let's get a dog. So we got the dog first thinking that we weren't going to get pregnant. So we got end up having a new dog and a new baby. But I will say being responsible for my dog really was a precursor to, you know, fatherhood. So all things did work together. So that's myself, my wife, my daughter, and my dog. So you really had a a, a great Insta whole package family, like picket fits all, dog, the whole nine. <laughs> I did. You know, I I really did. And to be very honest with you, I never had the vision of that uh, growing up because that was not my reality as a child. And um, now that I'm actually experiencing it, I'm like, how could a father not want to be with his child? And how could a person not put their family first? That's good. 
that that's a lot to digest. Um, <laughs> that is it's, and we often, you gave me a good reminder, right? Yeah. Um, because when we get so busy focused on goals, career goals, and just personal goals, you kind of start running, forgetting about your collateral damage, right? What you stop focusing on will end up your collateral damage. And you definitely don't want that to be your children. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, um, Okay. So we now have a beautiful baby, a beautiful dog. And of course, the mother of all mothers, right? Tell me how, what did it look like for you going through that year through the, let's start with the pregnancy. How did you feel? Like, I always wonder, we know moms are like, oh, they're glowing. They tell their emotions. But how did you feel in that moment where you were like, no, this is, this is happening? Well, literally when, so a little backdrop, we had a um, loss before this child. So we had a preterm loss. Um, three years before having we would call our miracle baby. So I was kind of apprehensive to take pregnancy tests. So my wife would be like, I think I'm pregnant. Should we take a pregnancy test? And I was like, I would be like, no, I don't want to take it and be discouraged. That's how I would go about it. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. this particular time, we were, we got down to pray, like we would pray across from each other on the bed. And she had leaned against the bed, bed and she's like oh man I feel like tenderness in my chest I think I'm pregnant and I was like I don't know so the next day she went to go get a pregnancy test and I was actually sitting on the computer and she came in and she was like Shabari and I was like what she was like I'm pregnant and I was like you lying that's not true come on for real and she was like no look the test is saying positive. I was like, okay, let's wait 20 minutes and take the second one. <laughs> oh, he said, oh. I was like, I got to know. So then she took the second one. It came back positive. So like my hope was like ignited again. The excitement was abrupting. And then I was like, okay, let's go to Walgreens. Now this is 12 o'clock at night. I said, let's go to Walgreens because that's the only place open. Get the most expensive ones and take them again. So we took two more we still got a picture to this day um four positives and i was like wow wow so my initial thing was like god did it because when you go through a loss and then you can't have a baby right away afterwards you begin to think that things don't work Mm. so we started to go through testing i was getting tested she got tested we were thinking do we need to take ivs ivf Mm-hmm. Um, and literally a day before our first appointment for IVF, mm-hmm. she found she was pregnant. Wow. And so it was like, God was like, nope, I already, you know, had this plan. So I felt very excited at first. And I felt also a bit nervous, not about father parenthood yet. That didn't come yet. I felt nervous about, are we going to make it through the pregnancy? Because we made it to five months last time. Mm-hmm. Let's so talk. Was, let's, 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 let's take a pause mm-hmm. because I know um, through research that the African-American community, Af- 
actually suffers the highest amount of miscarriages yeah. and infant losses. Mm. Um, and that has been for more than seven years. Okay. Wow. Um, and I do not want this to be a moment where we just don't acknowledge that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm also a person, um, my husband and I have suffered multiple losses. Um, and like you, and like a lot of us, we hold our breath because we just don't, we can't get excited. We don't know. Um, and it's that skepticism, right? That holds us hostage. It's like, yeah. I want to be, but I'm not going to be until this date. Well, I want to be, but I'm not going to be until this time. Yep. So the biggest thing out of that, and I want you guys to take from that, is that our timing is not God's timing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just because you had a loss does not mean that it will not happen again. Okay. Um, and if we take away the biggest thing of that is faith, it is literally a faith journey, especially yep. when you've experienced a loss. It tests, it tests your faith. It yep. does. Because I remember at our third loss, I remember being livid, livid. Um, and just for me to be able to have a real authentic conversation with my creator, like I'm pissed yep. and I don't know where to put this anger. And yep. I am just heartbroken and why does this keep happening? And you start pointing fingers at you. My body has failed. All These are all of the questions that go through a parent's head, especially the birthing parents. Like, I failed. I'm, I'm less of a woman because of. We go through these inner struggles. And Shamari, sometimes we don't even vocalize them to the very person that's sleeping next to us. Yeah. Yeah. And as a as a man, we go through those same fears as well. Mm. And I think that what happens is because we're not the carrier. It makes it hard to express that. And it feels mutual Mm. because how could you know how this feel as a man when you haven't had that child in your womb or them um, or the or the beginning of that process where your body is starting to change? But I will say we do experience that pain and we do experience that uh, that emotional tug of war that is happening. And I do want us to I do pray that couples can level that playing field, that we can value each other's experience and stop ranking them um, and also not devaluing a woman's experience like it's almost like I know sometimes we think that justice means making two people, treating two people the exact same because they deserve like the same pay or they deserve the same sentence because they did the same type of crime. But I think that justice is sort of knowing how to attribute credit to a person at the level that they deserve and understanding how to attribute your credit to where you deserve and never comparing them. Like, so I, I have to know that as the carrier, there is some credit that goes to that, right? I have to honor that that carrier credit for mm-hmm. carrying the baby. But then at the same time, I got to value mine, but I can't diminish that she was the carrier to feel better about myself. 
And I think couples get in that tug of war and we don't have enough equipped. uh, We're not equipped enough sometimes to deal with that together. Mm. And I know that that was our story. And I know that that's something that I was fighting for. And I'll never forget when I prayed and the Lord was like, I made woman a certain way, Shamari. And there are some things concerning her that are more sacred than things concerning you. Mm. And I need for you to value her in that way. And so that's when I was starting to stop comparing my grief uh, or my fears to hers and start saying, man, you were the carrier. And I'm sad with you, but you were the carrier. Mm. And I started to attribute that credit like to her in a different sense than you mad. I'm mad too. And right. I, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Man, if any man, man listening to this, put the air pod in his ear, ear, tell him from another man, that's not going to work. You can never equalize it in that way. You can't make it equal because the carrier has a different set of credit that belongs to them. Mm. How, how did you, how did you grieve as a male? First was suppressing, suppressing. Um, and I learned through therapy that suppression is different from repression. So repressing is holding something down without even knowing, but still exact experiencing it. But suppressing is saying, I'm going to hold this in for the benefit of others or for the benefit of protecting myself. So I suppressed how I felt. Mm. Because I'm like, uh, I got to go to work or uh, I got to keep going. I got to make sure that I can function. Mm. And what happens, though, is that I suppressed for so long. I missed an opportunity to grieve at the same time that my wife grieved. Okay. So what happened was she went through it while I was in suppression phase. Then once I let it all out, she was healed and like, oh, I've been there. I know what that felt like. (laughs) And so I was late to the party. And I tell you this, like it was a year later with my first child loss that I was driving and I had an imagined a thought, a vision of him being in a car seat. Mm. And then that kickstarted it. And mm. then at that point, I started to have these little images of what if, wonder what it would have been like. And then I started experiencing through the questioning after the suppressing. And then after I started uh, questioning myself, then I had to like make it to a place where I was like, um, this experience doesn't have to have a reason it don't have to be well god did that because it wasn't your time and i had got to a place where i lost Mm. that was what happened to me Mm. that was my experience it ain't it wasn't you weren't ready to be a daddy yet or god had a bet something greater waiting for you no i lost and how do i recover after that Mm, that's big that's big because we like we really will look for a whole reason to get over stuff quickly instead yep. of just sitting in it for a minute and being like, God doesn't have to explain anything to me. Um, and if he doesn't, it's not yep. my job to make up one for him. It's not. Um, exactly. I still say that I still have yep. me and Jeff have three angels 
three little angels one day that we will hopefully meet that still guide and protect over us and yep. our three ones that are still here now. Um, I don't know. You know, yep. it's just one of those things. I accepted that. I, like you, I can't even, I'm mad at you, God. And yep. I know I shouldn't be, but this is where I am. And I need you to love me through it. And whether you give me an answer or not, I need you to just make it okay with my soul um, so that I can move on and I can yep. turn this into a testimony one day. Um, yeah, I get that. Thank you for sharing. Yep. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. All right, let's transition a little bit. Okay. Tell me now about, okay, because you guys were a nursing family, correct? Yes. Nursing mean breastfeeding. Um, man, let me tell you. Okay. <laughs> we just, we, and I'm going to be real politically incorrect, but my fans know me. We just be out here forgetting y'all. Okay. Um, we focus on all the things that are happening with our body. And typically we will get angry at our body and take it out on y'all. So tell me, tell me Shamari, tell me the black male perspective. And I'm not asking you to be a voice for the culture. Don't get that mistaken. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Tell me how you felt as a supportive person, a supportive actor, when it comes to seeing the breastfeeding experience, how did you help? How did you feel lost? Tell me about it. Well, stay tuned for part two coming soon. 